As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You can't count on me like one, two, three, I'll be there. And I know when I need it, I can count on you like four, three, two, you'll be there. Yes, you'll be there. Zolim's out there for us today. This is Elizabeth in Clarksville, and it's me, God. Now, a lot of you may feel like, what are you saying? That God really does talk to us? Oh, yes, he does. Back when he first created all of mankind, he initially had it set up that he would walk and talk with us daily until we turned our backs on him. And I say we, being mankind back then, whether it was a symbolism of Adam and Eve, or whether it was just all of mankind that decided they wanted more than what God had already given them. Can you imagine that? Want it more. Well, I asked the Lord earlier today, what am I supposed to speak about on the show today? And maybe that's what I need to talk about, and that's wanting more. And that wanting more puts us into a direct line of confrontation with God's will for us in our life. He does have a plan for each and every one of us, and it's sad to say, but the truth of the matter is that we tend to think that I have a better plan. And so we follow down a road that all of a sudden we're going, I don't like this road. I don't like what's happening. I don't like the way I feel. I'm miserable. I'm stressed out. I'm unhappy. And I'm feeling physically Oh, God, like I'm going to head down to the emergency room and get me there quick. Uh, This does sound like any time that you've ever had anything like this in your life. Uh, Guys, over there, hello. Usually the events of my life. Hello. I've I've had had times like that. Hello? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, same thing. Um, There was a time uh, where I really felt... uh, well, you know, I don't I don't panic very often because I, I I've learned you know my my lessons with panicking. But there was one time that I that I was caught in a in a panic of frustration, and it was like a a voice deep deep within just told me to be still, and I I I know it was the voice of God that you know told me to be still, and um, you know the solution had had appeared almost immediately. As soon as I just, you know, 
let go of the frustration and let go of the the panic. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Earl. Um, you're talking about like overcoming uh, panic, correct? No, not necessarily or, overcoming panic. Or just worry. I mean, if you're that yeah. Point. Yes, reaching the point where you realize uh, this isn't working. Oh, sure, and sure. I need to do something to to drastically change my life because of the misery I'm in right now. Yeah, um, well, this I, is what's been going on in my life this week. Yeah. And usually, what goes on with my life is what God is saying. I want you to share with because there's a lot of people out there having the same problems. Now, uh, you know, when I had to find another job this past summer because of the nursing home closing, I chose to go to private duty. Yeah. Thinking it would be less stressful, only it meant working nights. Well, and I've, I've been through one, two, well, at least one third. This was my third client that I was working with. One, we found, we uh, decided at the very, you know, one one or two times of working with, we decided the decision was made that, nope, this is this one's too un, too fragile and too unstable. And uh, this this last job that I've been working with, it was an on again, off again. Okay, yeah, it's going to work. I, we're we're going to do fine. But um, this past week, two nights in a row, it was like there was a battle going on spiritually. And after talking with my boss this morning, I found out, you know what? There was a battle going on spiritually, that there was something not quite, not quite right. And the Holy Spirit was helping me to realize that. But anyhow, I told her, I can't do it. I cannot do this job anymore. And she was very, very understanding of it and has got me lined up to uh, do a 3 to 11 shift with a talking adult person <laughs> instead of uh, somebody that uh, is just there. That uh, Anyhow, uh, Carl, you had something similar, I know, going on in your own life when it came to work. And oh, yeah. having you know, to pray for God, help me. Because the way things are going, it is not good, and I need your help. And I know that God has to, you know, did some interfering to send you the help you needed, and I'm so thankful for that. Sure. In fact, when uh, I wrote you that email about my present decision, I, the Lord was reminding me of my own words that I spoke to you about getting out of the boat and walking on the water yeah. and uh, trusting in the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> all these things, you know, uh, the answers are all there. The answers are all there to what you know, God has a plan for each and every one of us. And how do we know or how do we walk in that plan? And what do we do to get ourselves lined up with his will for us in our life? Well, we've talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it again today. And that the Holy Spirit has gifts that he gives to us when he comes his presence in our life. And there's four awesome, wonderful gifts, discernment, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Wisdom, of course, is one of the most powerful gifts, because when you've got wisdom, you know what's the wisest thing to do and the direction you should go in. And you've got to be very careful, though, that you pray for wisdom when you do anything, because if you are a all-knowing person who knows I know what to do. Don't tell me what to do. Do you know anybody like that? 
Well, yeah, sure, lots of people. That's not wisdom from God, no. You know several, huh? <laughs> yeah. That's not wisdom from God. And understanding, the gift of understanding can only come through experiencing the ups and downs of life. Uh, you, do you understand that gift? <laughs> Quote, sure. Unquote. Yeah. Knowledge. Knowledge is a specific word given either through Scripture, through someone used by God to speak to us, speak to us a word of knowledge. It's called knowledge, but it's really a word of knowledge. And that's when you are searching and seeking for guidance, and somehow, some way, you receive a specific word or message that you go, wow, I know God's speaking to my heart. Anybody ever experienced something like that? Well, I mean, yeah, you you definitely feel moments where uh, God provides the answers and give you clarity. Um, but, I mean, I don't know if I can think of a specific time. I mean, it just happens very, you know, very often. Like, you, you learn to turn to him in crisis, and then he just delivers so often to those that's, that seek humbly for his assistance that you're all, you know, that I think it does happen fairly often once you're, uh, you, once you establish a real communication with God. Like, um, I know, Carl, there's been times when you have been watching movies because you're a movie critic yeah. and that's part of your job, but a line in the movie will jump out at you. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And you go, yeah. Uh, like I mentioned one today, and I, I love that one in the Shawshank Redemption. Get busy living or get busy dying. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. And uh, there's there's quite a few. I know there is. I know if you, you know, of course, you've probably, like me, if you're like me, you've forgotten them along the way. But some of them really stick to you, that when you receive a special word of knowledge through nature, um a mockingbird gave me a course of knowledge one time, huh. and you'd have to. And I think I've told the whole story about how when my daddy died, I said, "Come to me in the song of a mockingbird," and he did. Wow. But one day when I was sitting down and I was feeling distressed and feeling sorry for myself, here's that old mockingbird up there on the fence post going, eh, eh. <laughs> and I knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, "Ah, stop it already! <laughs> you know, get out of that pity party and get with the program and live life." And, you know, it's just things like that that can come into your life if you have eyes to see yeah. and ears open to hear. Right. Uh, we talked about understanding knowledge, wisdom, discernment. Oh, discernment is needed, needed, needed because of the fact that you need to know how to discern what is a good spirit, an evil spirit, or human spirit. And uh, because never, never, ever give credit to the devil for something that is not due to him, because he'll keep coming around again and say, oh, they paid attention to that, so I want to give, you know, I want them to pay attention to me more. And by that I mean there's a lot of times human spirits, anger, hostility, bitterness, resentment, jealousy, these human spirits are so strong that people, well, like what McCulloch used to say, the devil made me do it, but it's just human spirits that are causing us to be ugly and hateful. And no other reason than that. We're being triggered, and we respond in a human nature. Like uh, this past week, I was in need of another word from God. And when I was going through some of this crisis, 
And it's interesting how he had prompted me to take the book with me, uh, My Journey, My Cross, because there are so many messages in this book that he gave me. God gave me a long time ago, and I wrote them down in journals and everything. And one of the things that I read was about how Mary, the deacon, giving the sermon on the Blessed Mother when she was looking for Jesus and how anxious she must have been, he said, Mm. when she, for three days, she was frantically searching for her child. And I would, yeah, uh, she definitely would have been anxious being a very beautiful, wonderful mother that she is. But it pointed out to me that day, and I needed to hear it, that she was human, and anxiousness is not a sin. And just because you get anxious does not mean you're sinning. And we're going to focus on this whole thing because I can see how God's pulling in something else he wanted me to talk about today. And that's, does God have feelings like we do when it comes to anger, sorrow, grief, can you think of some other feelings that you would say God has that some people would say, nah, God's all love. He don't have that. Um, Glory. Yeah. What? I didn't hear it. Glory. Is glory a feeling? Say it again louder. Glory. Glory. Huh? Worry. Glory, glory, not worry. You... Glory, uh-huh. glory, like glory. Like king of glory, yeah. G-L-O-R-Y. Glorious. You know? I'm still not hearing it. I'm saying glory. <laughs> glory. Does he feel glory? Yeah. That he would feel, because he knows all the awesome wonders of everything that's out there. So he would be uh, definitely feeling a lot of glory, that's for sure. Anyhow, today, in this day and age, there's been times that I feel like that he is saddened by what he sees going on. Well, sure he would be. He's the father of all. And just like you and I... When our children are being disobedient and hurting each other and fighting and doing things that are hurtful and destructive in their lives, we get definitely saddened and upset, and we are made in His image. And the only reason I'm questioning this is one time my brother Raymond made the comment about, uh, well, God's not sad. God's only, he's happy. He only knows happiness. He never knows sadness. And I'm going, no, 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 God's love. And part of love is healing sadness when you see someone that you love in trouble. So we've got to remember that, that we are made in his image, and our feelings, especially anger, it speaks of God's anger in the Bible, that God does get angry, and we need to remember that. And he gets lonely. Oh, yes, he gets lonely because of the fact that he loves us very much, and when we don't show up, it's like a girlfriend or a boyfriend not showing up, Right. Yeah, sure. You get, yeah, right, okay. So, in the past three days, I've experienced the depth of physically, like this morning when I woke up, mm, oh, totally limp, weak, hardly, and achy everywhere. And feeling like you're just mentally to the point of being a useless person. And that's what happens to us when we are doing our thing instead of God's thing, when we are not walking in that path and that plan that he has for us, when we are disobedient. And it's, it's, I found out 
that when you feel this way, you, you, you almost really do reach the point of mentally what they call a breakdown. Sure. Uh, or the vessel who you are becomes cracked and leaky, <laughs> cries tears. But we become this vessel that is useless, and that's what, I guess, that's what the devil really wants for us in our life. And the good news is, is that you have to feel this way. You have to experience this type of mental, spiritual, way down deep, so that you can once more desire to go back and run as fast as you can back. I was reading something today, and a while ago when I was preparing for this show, I said, Lord, where is that scripture? And it was was interesting that he had already given it to me. And the scripture comes from Philippians 2, verse 12. It says, My beloved, obedient as you have always been, not only when I am present, but all the more now when I am absent, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is the one, and this is the line I love, for God is the one who, for his good purpose, works in you both to desire and to work. So not only does he give us the grace to do the work he's asking us to do, but he also gives us the the desire to do it, too. And sometimes, though, the only way you're going to get this desire to do this is for God to allow you to just muddle along and mess things up in doing your thing, doing it your way, that you finally reach the point where you desire to say, I'm sorry, Lord, and I I just, I got to change. With your help, I will change. In verse 14, I love too, because it says, do everything without grumbling or complaining or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, perverse generation, among whom you shine like the lights in the world. Right now, a big light bulb's going off in my head. Mm-hmm. This is exactly, do everything without grumbling, questioning, so that you may be blameless and innocent and being a light to the nation's in the midst of all of this perverse generation and crooked generation. Just look what we had last week and how damaging was all of the hubbub and the fighting and the fussing and the rioting and everything like that. How damaging that was when it comes to saying there is a God. Yeah. It was very damaging. The same thing about grumbling and complaining or gossiping and saying, this one is not right, that one's not right, or uh, this person's going to hell. And you know what I was talking about, what we talked about last week, was the fact that uh, it's easy for everybody to have their own opinion about who's right and who's wrong. Which reminds me, Zoline, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, you and I talked. And we were going to talk about different cultures and who is right and who is to say what is right and who is to say what is wrong. Remember that, Zoline? Um, he had, he had to step out for just one second. I'm here, um, okay. so I could answer discuss it with you. Okay. Well, he talked with me about it after the end of the show, where 
uh, he said, I was in agreement with everything you said, but then there was something there that I questioned because of the different cultures. And I was so glad that he mentioned that because of the fact that everybody in this world grows up in a different culture. And so who can say you are wrong in what you're doing because you were raised by parents, by a culture that says this is how we live. This is how we do things. Uh, case in point was somebody was posting about marriage in the Bible and what marriage in the Bible was supposed to be like, and they were using it as a defense about it's okay for gays to be married. But they were talking about how in the Bible they had many wives. A wife was supposed to be submissive. A wife, you know, there was quite a few quotes that was, you know, it's terrible, really. But those were all Old Testament raisings and teachings from how things were back in that tradition and that culture. The same way with um, growing up Hindu, growing up Buddhist, growing up Hamas, uh, growing up Israelite, growing up any country has its own way and its own rules and its own laws. Yeah. And so these people, because they've been raised up in this teaching all their life, they're going to be very strongly, adamantly passionate about, I'm right, you're wrong. Right? Absolutely. That's <laughs> right. What, yeah, sure. But you see where I'm going with this. And that's why we have to have a deeper understanding of people's behaviors and trust that uh, when Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. That's why he was able to say that. Because he knew that this was the way they were raised. And they didn't have the teachings that he was bringing into this earth. Greater is the sadness and the sin for all those who've been given the teachings of Jesus Christ, the teachings of Judeo-Christianity or whatever, and still they persist in doing things that are non-loving, hateful, and hurtful, even though all the while they are proclaiming, I love Jesus, I love God. And yet, I'm over here willing to hurt mankind because uh, it's my right to do so. Uh, I don't know if I'm... Anyhow, one thing I was wanting to mention here when we were talking about... Uh, and this is how tired my mind is at right now. Is I'm, having, I'm, I'm praying, please, Lord, help me to keep on what you want me to say and you what you want me to speak. And this is where he's leaving me right now. He wants me to share with you how badly and stressed I was to the point as I was working at home the other night. I was so, I mean, it was, it was almost frightening because uh, I felt like, am I needing to go to ER? My physical body was, my heart was flip-flopping, mm -hmm. and I was having a lot of symptoms physically. Hmm. And that I was also sensing that this was maybe an attack of an evil one. And so... The alarms kept going off, and every time the alarm would go off, I would be saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm praying for whoever's got an alarm going off over their head right now because the bomb's coming or whoever's got an alarm because somebody's breaking into their house. You know, there's a lot of people all over this earth, 
who are dealing with something that's frightening, scary, and coming at them. And so I, w- I just kept praying, and I would hang on tight to, I had my crucifix around my neck. I had a rosary with me, too, that night that I had taken in to pray in the quiet of the night for all those that I knew needed prayer. And I also have what we call a scapular. I don't. I know Carl's familiar with it, yeah, but not yeah. everybody. But I have that tucked close to my heart as a reminder of the presence of Mary's love and prayers for me. And the other thing that I was doing, and it calmed me, was calling upon the saints to pray for me and St. Michael, the archangel, to pray for me and deal with whatever spirit was around that was not necessarily or that was trying to cause me chaos and and fear. But this is what I did for a lot of the time, uh, two or three hours during the night, just kept having to do this kind of spiritual battle. And it's hard. Uh, it very is. It's very, very hard. But and, you, know, you have to really keep your faith and your trust. And that was something else that I kept doing. This is this is how you do spiritual battle. You quote scripture, and maybe we have not talked about this. Jesus in the desert, being tempted by the devil. You remember this one? Yeah, of course. Okay, and the devil used scripture. He said it said that if you you know that the angels will protect you if you throw yourself down and so forth. But Jesus came back with all three of the temptations, he came back with scripture, with the word of God. He did the same thing when he was on the cross. Did you know that? Yes. Well, the words yeah. that he spoke on the cross, Psalm twenty two, starts it out with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, what have, why have you forsaken me? And there was something else that he spoke to. I thirst. That's probably definitely a scripture. They said he was really reciting Psalm 22 uh, in his heart and his mind and his spirit as he was hanging on the cross. But we are given examples of how to live our life and deal with any situation that comes into our life by just knowing how Jesus lived, and knowing how he dealt with things, drawing away to pray, that's mentioned in there, and the uh, pray using scripture, quoting scripture. In fact, when he first started out, he proclaimed, uh, he said that he gave the scripture and he said, this day, this proclamation is being fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. That was at the beginning of his ministry. So he used scripture a lot. To talk to the people and and reach out to them, because it would uh, connect him with the source of all word of God, and that is God as Father. Um, So this is how I dealt with my situation the other night, and it's how it helped me through it and got me through those 12 hours. And I thank God for getting me through those 12 hours, and I thank God for getting me through the next 12 hours, and I thank God for getting me through this morning when I woke up feeling so terribly like, Lord, uh, I'm a wreck. <laughs> but you know what, really? I, I, the, the gym opens at 6 o'clock, so there's another answer to how to deal with stress, a depression, any kind of emotional, and that's to exercise, to take the walk, sure. to go and do things. And, yeah, huff and puff, get that breathing going. 
And so I went for the swim. You know, the Holy Spirit was behind that. He said, hey, you know, we're there and go swimming. And the other thing that helped was just after, as soon as I knew that they were open, I went to my boss. And I said, I can't do it. And I took that step of faith and saying, I, it doesn't matter to me if I don't work here anymore. I didn't say that to her. But right away she was understanding and she said, right, let's try this person here. And so it, and when I came home, it was like this physical body that felt like it was about to be a lip wet rag or whatever. It, there was a change. Uh, by 10 o'clock, I had laid down to rest for a little bit. But by 10 o'clock when I got up, it's like, whoa. I'm okay, <laughs> and I thank God for that because it was very scary, uh, very scary. I know you've experienced it. All of you have experienced something like that where you feel like that your whole life, you know, you're about to, you, do, you don't know what's going to happen to it. You're out of control, totally out of control, and you no longer can you, but you can. It's, 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 don't ever think you cannot. It's hopeless. Don't ever think life is hopeless and there's nothing I can do. Don't ever despair like that. Uh, discouragement and despair is a tool of the devil. Yeah. And he works in your mind. And you have the ability to go from feeling way down by the use of prayer to getting back and the use of scripture. Here's the three things before, but three things, definitely, the Word of God, giving thanks and praise, singing, exercise, that is for, there's quite a few things that you can take and say, I'm going to do this to get yourself back on the right track. Sure. But calling upon help, help me God, help me God, help me God. I mean, if that's all you do is say help. I remember Charlie Osborne of the Good News Ministries down in Florida, Pensacola, Florida. He was learning to fly, and he got himself in one of these clouds where you could not tell which, if you were up or down. You lost your sense of there was no horizon to see. And he, he got very disorientated, he said. And he wasn't that experienced with flying. And so he started to pray in tongues. And this is the beauty of tongues. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you that the gift of tongues is demonic. But he started to pray in tongues, and uh, and all of a sudden, just was impressed to let go, Charlie, let go. So he took his hands off of the uh, controls of the plane, and the plane, because it was designed like it was, righted itself, and he was able to once more know that he was flying uh, in the right direction instead of upside down or whatever. And so later he says, Lord, what was it I was praying when I was praying in tongues? And the Holy Spirit said, you were going, help. Uh (laughs) And that's it. If all we do is say, help, God, help. That's all the prayer that we need to be praying. And then take that big, deep breath, and he will. You, You know, like you said, things will come to your mind that needs to come to your mind to help you to know what to do. And then he will also give you the grace and the courage to do it. So we just thank him for that. We appreciate it deeply. I have a question to ask. Uh, this was something another that about two hours before the show, the Lord was speaking to my heart. There is a controversy amongst religions, Protestants and Catholics anyhow, about only praying to Jesus and why and then criticism of why do we 
pray and ask the saints to help us in our daily life. Have you ever had that encounter? Not Carl? personally, no. Is it Zolene now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, Zolene, that's good. I'm glad it's you because you're not Catholic. So do you have questions about the saints um, and why we even ask them to help us? I mean, I've I've often wondered myself. Um, okay. But... I mean, at this point, I, I really, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know too much. I mean, I do know that saints are, you know, more, more or less typically they're martyrs, you know, and they, uh, they had dedicated their life, uh, to service. So. Holy, holy, yes. Yes. And, and serving the Lord and living their life for God. Yeah. What if I were to say to you, Zoline, that you are a saint, a saint under construction, and that you are in the process of being from glory, going from glory to glory, and that God is working on you and bringing you to the point that one day, you, when you go home, you will be able to fully be embraced back into the body of Christ, the body of God. We are all one body, many parts, as the scripture says. You are a saint under construction. Could you accept that? Yes. Yes, I can. So you can see what I'm talking about. Yes. A saint is just a normal human being who their their soul, their spirit, their mind, their heart, when they were on the earth, were focused on doing one thing, and that's to love God, serve God, and walk in His will. Yes. Like one of the saints, St. Francis of Assisi, well-known saint. Mm -hmm. If you were to read his biography, he was a very rich, spoiled Rich boy. He's a rich boy. Uh, another one was, huh? A uh, rich boy. Yeah. And another one was uh, that, like that, too, was St. Augustine. There's quite a few stories of saints who, were, who came from a background of being very rich, very anti-God, very much into the world, and then their hearts were converted. Like St. Monica is the mother of St. Augustine, who prayed for him for years before his soul, uh, his heart was converted to God, and he changed his ways. So she's the patron saint of being faithful and enduring in your prayers and, and praying for your children, too. And then the other one of the other saints, St. Saint Rita, was married to a very awful, abusive man. You know, back then where sometimes marriages were arranged, or anyhow... If you read the stories of the saints, and there's supposedly 10,000 or more who have been beatified wow. and declared to be saints. Yeah. <laughs> I got that number when I was doing the litany of the saints uh, while I was, we were traveling, and every time I took a walk, I just would be saying the litany of the saints, and as every day I would be learning about a new saint, a new saint, another saint, and I would go, wow, that's a really fantastic story about this person and how awesome their love for God was. And at one point I said, I can't do this, Lord. I can't name them all because <laughs> there's 10,000 of them. Yeah. So, I, so I started categorizing all Johns, all Peters, all Pauls, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all Popes <laughs> who were declared saints. <clears throat> so anyhow, uh, St. Rita, 
had this abusive marriage situation, and she eventually, through her faithfulness and her prayers and her love and, and treating her husband with the love of Jesus Christ, they, the children and her husband were all converted, and they all became, and, uh, you know, their souls were, uh, they surrendered their souls to the Lord and God. There's a lot of stories like this of these people who were so dedicated to love and faithfulness and to prayer life that there it was obvious. That, yeah, if you were to go back and look at the scripture that we just gave, no grumbling, complaining, and be like uh, children, and the shining in the brightness of the glory. You know, I'm going back to Philippians here right quick if I can find it. But we're supposed to be shining in the midst of a perverse generation. And we're supposed to be doing that now. You don't become a saint after you die. No. Yeah. Like, you you know, were you in there, Carl, when I told Jolene that he was a saint under construction? Oh, yeah. Well, I think <laughs> okay. we all are, well, you know, could. if we are open to it. Yeah, right. We all are. When we all love and do what we're supposed to do in love and be faithful in serving the Lord, we're saints. We're saints under construction. Absolutely. Why do we ask them? What, you know, this is the biggest thing. Why do you pray to the saints when, you, you know, you should only be praying to Jesus or to God? And this is what God himself gave my heart just while I was thinking about this. The analogy of the body. Thank you, Thumb, for closing in with my finger so that I can do something, some workable, you know, work. Like, whether it's wash a dish, sew a stitch, I'm able to work because of my fingers and my thumbs coming together. I'm able to live because my heart's beating. I'm able to breathe. And just think of all the different ways, the different parts of our body, from the blood cells, the itty-bitty blood cell up to the biggest part of the body, and whether that's the brain or the heart, I don't know what's the biggest organ in there. But uh, if it weren't for one, the rest could not live. Exactly. And the Holy Spirit was speaking in their heart about the saints. As one person said, who, uh, who became a Catholic later on in life and converted, I don't know what religion she was before, but she just excitedly said, I love the fact that you got department heads. And she was referring to the saints, of course. And that's what, you know, every last one of the members of the body of Christ, those here on earth, those in heaven, we are a part of this awesome, wondrous body of love. And when you love, you want to do things to help each other and be there for each other. Like uh, St. Teresa, when she died, before she died, she, she died at age 23 of tuberculosis. And she said, I want to spend my time in heaven doing good for people here on earth. And if you ask... When you ask her to, for, to please uh, pray for this, I petition you for this, or I'm praying for this particular thing, she'll send you a rose to let you know if it's going to be answered or if you're praying for the right thing. You'll get an actual rose, whether it's an unexpected picture of a rose. Like I get pictures on Facebook a lot of beautiful roses. Uh She'll send you an actual rose, or you'll see a rose bush. I was pregnant with my first daughter in our marriage, um, and my husband was without a job. 
I'm nine months pregnant, and I'm praying. This is a four ultrasounds again. Uh, we got two boys. His mine. And I'm praying, you know, Lord, it should be nice to have a little girl. And I'm praying a novena to St. Teresa about Bob getting a job. And I'm going to church, and here it is in a cold March, and a rose bush outside of the church doors is blooming with roses. Elizabeth. I said, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I told, yeah, I told St. Teresa, I said, if I get a little girl, I'm going to call her. Uh, I'll make sure she's my rose from heaven, and I'll put to give her the name Rose. I was thinking Jennifer Rose. And then the day she was born, my husband comes in the room, and uh, we said, Mom and Dad, we're wanting to know we're going to call this girl. And I says, well, I was thinking maybe Jennifer Rose. He said, well, I told him we are going to call her Teresa Rose. <laughs> and I laughed because I said, well, St. Teresa wanted the whole name. <laughs> Not just Rose, she wanted the whole name. So Teresa Rose it was. And the day that she was baptized, like a week after we, she came home, my husband started working for a company, uh, Westinghouse, I believe it was at the time. So, he, you know, the job was given. We needed it. So but that's what's so awesome about the saints in heaven and your beloved ones in heaven, is that they are in the perfect mind, will of the Father, and they will only pray for things to happen in our life that will be in the will of the Father. Oh, wow. Okay, and the reason why and the reason why God wanted me or led me into this discussion about saints goes right back into what we were talking about earlier. And Zolene, you weren't in the room when I was talking about how you and I discussed who's right, who's wrong. And because people are raised in different cultures, different religions, everyone is raised to think this is the way you are to live. And this is why we are still having problems with uh Christians battling Christians because of the fact that they feel like you're wrong in believing that you're wrong, and yet they don't fully understand why we believe it. And so I really know this is why God wanted me to explain the saints today and why we ask them to help us in our daily life, because we are all a part of the body of Christ. And just like you can't do without the fingers or the thumb, well, you could. But you can't do as well without your fingers and thumb or your toes and your feet. You can't do as well, and you're kind of a little handicapped if you have these, you know, things that are not a part of your body. So that's just the way it is with the whole body of Christ. We can count on each other to help us in our daily life. We can count on it, no doubt about it, just like I'm I'm so glad God gave me that song. You can count on me like one, two, three. And he did send it to me. I was there at that swimming hole, never had heard this song before, I don't think, until all of a sudden, there at the Pool of Bethesda, as I call it, the Aquatic Center, I'm in the water, and I hear this beautiful song come over the intercom, You Can Count On Me. And I thought, wow, that's it. That's it, God. We can count on you. Like, one, two, three. And not only God, but we can count on each other. And then that's leading me back to what, also something that he said to talk about today. How many of us in our lifetime have gone through what I went through this week, and we're begging, God, please help God. And I was doing that, oh, God, please help me, please help me. And I'm hearing him, not hearing him, but in just this inner spirit saying to me very gently, very quietly, I can only help you if you do what I tell you to do, 
In other words, you can beg for help all you want to, but if you don't get up off your mat, if you don't get, you know, let it, what is it, get up off your rise, and uh, forget the three words he gave to the uh, guy at Pula Bethesda. Take up your mat, rise, and walk. And that's the, what it is to us. If you want to be well, you have to get away from the bad habits. Get yourself into the directions and the obedience to God's, what he's saying to do, and then walk in the direction that you're supposed to go in to get that better, wonderful life that you're hoping for. And that's very, very crucial. God can not only help us if we are really willing to stay connected to him and be obedient to what he wants us to do. That's the only way we're going to see miracles in our life. Uh, Case in point, any of you ever experienced that when I did what I was supposed to do, I experienced a miracle? Um, Yeah, sure. I know you have. Of course. (laughs) I know you have, because you tell me about them all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. And Zolim, I know the same is true, too, for you, that you experience peace and harmony and joy when you are walking in the path of love all the time, right, Zolim? Yes. Yeah, okay. So back to what we were saying. Carl, I don't know if you were in there when we first started out, but do you believe that God uh, hurts when we hurt? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, because, like you said, it's it's like a father who feels what his children feel, and he wants, if the children are sad, he's sad. And if they act up, that that he would be sad, and that so much of the world is constantly acting up, (laughs) you know. Really? And right now, can you imagine, you know, I'm so glad I'm not God, because he sees everything that's going on, and the depth of his love means that he also feels a deep sorrow, a deep sadness, a deep anger, too, when he sees what people are doing to the innocent and to the elderly and to women and to the defenseless, people we would consider defenseless. And when he sees us talking the way we do and acting the way we do and hurting the people that we hurt with our words, and our lack of inconsideration and our disrespect and um, and our disobedience. Uh, there's a lot of incidents of the Blessed Mother statues and even Jesus, uh, pictures of Jesus and all, crying, crying blood, crying tears because of the fact of things that are going on in this world. A lot of people do not believe that this, they think it's fake, etc. But I'm going to tell you something I know from experience that it's not fake. Uh, I have seen the host in uh, Bethania area that dried blood all over it. Personally saw it when we were down traveling in that area. I wanted to share something, too, that was given to me. Uh, this was when, the, when I wrote in the book, I wrote about being down in Bethania. Bethania is this beautiful, awesome place in Venezuela where the Blessed Mother is still appearing, I think, at times on her feast days. And the story behind that was this lady, this beautiful, wonderful woman whose name was Rose Esperanza. Yeah, Esperanza, I think her name is. Uh, I don't know if it's Rose Esperanza. I'll tell you in a minute because I've got it written down here. 
and um, she was very, very sick. Yeah, Maria Esperanza, there you go. Very, very sick when she was 12 years old. And the Blessed Mother appeared to her and told her that she would free her or heal her or make sure that her illness is gone if she would write down the remedy, which was composed of natural oils and roots. In a couple of days, and from that time on, Maria could see the future. She had a heart attack at age 14 and had to go before a tribal church tribunal at age 17 due to all the spiritual experiences that she had. She was truly somebody that, you know, if you're going to be a saintly person, I hate to say this to you guys, but this is true. When you're a saintly person, you really go through a lot of fires in life to make sure that you are cleansed and purified and stay in the path that you're supposed to be on. So anyhow, uh, she lived in this uh, ranch area where uh, people go to in Venezuela, and Betania, they call it. Beautiful, beautiful ranch, and that's where she appears, and that's where people come on the feast days of the Blessed Mother. Tens and thousands of people come there, and so we were, um, our group at the Mercy God Prayer Center, we went there for a pilgrimage, and while I was there, you know, my husband wasn't supposed to go, but a week before we were to take off, he got so bad in his back that all he could do was crawl. And I said, well, you can stay home or you can go with us. And that's what God had to do to get Bob to go with us, (laughs) put him on his knees, literally. And so Bob did go with us. And it was because of the pain that his eyes were open to the spiritual experiences that I was having and why I believed the way I did. And I'm uh, going through this book because, oh, here we go. One of the things I wrote in the book, I said there was people traveling with the pilgrims to Bethania, and one of them was named Elizabeth, and Elizabeth would sit down in the pew close to me. And as I watched her, a dog came from around the corner of the open pavilion, and the dog was carrying a fried pie in its mouth that someone had given him. And he first looked this way and that way. He walked back behind the pavilion. He kept going everywhere with that fried pie in his hand. Finally, he walks over to Elizabeth and sits up at her feet and looked up at her, offering that fried pie. And I recall at that point thinking then that, look, he has found Mary. And I couldn't help but smile Hmm. as I visualized that picture of Elizabeth and the dog. And I wrote down, Mary wants to walk and talk with all of us, too, if we would only listen. And so at that point, I said to her, Blessed Mother, speak to me, please. And immediately into my heart came these words. If people do not see me, it's because they have eyes that do not see the ways of God. Not because they are not worthy or holy enough, because they are blinded by their intense search for what they perceive to be me. And they're blinded also by the world. And looking too hard for the obvious, they fail to see the wonders of God within and in front of and all around them. Now, that's truth being spoken there. We do not see God. We do not see holy. Or we do not see the supernatural. Did somebody say something? Well, I mean, when you were making... Sorry, we were thought you were making a point still, so... Okay. Um, I, I, I think that... Uh, like you said, so often we don't see the forest for the trees of, um, right. you know, what, what, just how many, how, how strong God's presence is in everything, uh, even 
when we are not thinking about it or uh, when we're despairing of it that we need to re- mm-hmm. we need to recheck ourselves and realize you know no he is there so um, yeah yeah see in Bethania people actually get to see the Blessed Mother and we were all hoping we were going to get to see her and there were several occasions though uh, Mary had spoken to me earlier about I am walking amongst all of you I'm around you everywhere and there was about four occasions I saw a toddler that looked identical to what they said was a doll of Mary that was uh, made back when um, some years ago. And the toddler looked just like her. Even Jenny said the same thing. Look, that little girl looks just like that doll. Another time was a blue butterfly. Mary's supposed to be when the blue butterfly comes around you. Uh, the one time that I saw the blue blooded fly with its wings either open or I think it's open. You see this awesome blue that you close it or when it's flat. I forget which which side of the, the blue is on, but the other side is brown and that camouflages the butterfly. And I thought, well, see, that's exactly what Mary was saying about. You don't see it. And one way you'll see, but another way you will not see it. And then the biggest story about that Betania was meeting Rosemary. Rosemary was about 12 years old, lived down there. And at one point, she just walked up to our group, and everybody's all smiling at her and saying, oh, how beautiful this little precious innocent girl is. She's just so pretty uh, with the purity, brightness, love, joy. She, and I even had a picture of her. And uh, But she's just beautiful, she, not beautiful in a beautiful kind of way, but beautiful in that innocent kind of way. And at one point, I remember being led to pray for her, and I asked God to surround her with angels and keep her as pure and sweet as she is now as she grows up. And then later that, uh, I'm trying to think it was that night or the next night, but later, the night of the feast day, Mary was expected to appear, and there was crowds of tens of thousands there, everywhere. Children were laying on the ground, babies playing on the ground, uh, some of them fast asleep. And all the pilgrims, we were just everywhere. And at one point, there was a great murmur of excitement that came from in the valley by the highway, the vendor stands. And because of the language barrier, no one knew for sure what was causing it. Everybody was kind of thinking, is Mary appearing down there? But later, they were making announcements, and the story came to the top of the mountain where we were that it had been an accident. And a large delivery truck, you know, like one of these moving vans, not the big 18-wheelers, but the shorter truck van, but a large delivery truck had come off the mountain, lost its brake, and went off the road. Wow. They start crying here. Being a medical person, I wondered if they needed help. But they, they said, no, nah, there's too many people down there, surely help down there. But moments later, though, the announcement came in Spanish asking for medical people. And the tour guy grabbed my hand, and we raced down to where the accident was. I was taken to two young people, two young women on the ground first who were slightly injured. They were assessed. I assessed them for breathing, bleeding, et cetera, and so forth, and I laid hands on them and prayed for them. And even though they didn't understand the thing I said, evidently something was going on because they both quietened down and just looked up at me and just laid quiet then. And then we went to the crash site. The big truck had crashed into the stand. And a small boy laid under the rear wheels of the truck. His upper torso was still lying still, and the lower body was hidden beneath the tires. 
and his father was frantically trying to dig him out. And I remember thinking, what can be done? Hundreds of people here, surely we can try to lift the truck up off of him. And there's some big machinery on the hillside, but, you know, it was so sad and frustrating to see this and not be able to do anything. And I remember saying to Terry, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? This is a place of miracle. Let's pray. And where are the people, the faith of the people here? Nothing can be done because really, really do we believe? Do we, God? Do we believe? And so it wasn't until the next day that I was able to go back and get this scene out of my head when you saw the truck gone and everybody else gone. There was another woman, I believe, who was uh, either injured or killed in the front. But just for 24 hours, nobody saw Rosemary. Where's Rosemary? Where's Rosemary? And finally, we found her. And the story is that Rosemary, the vendor stand that was run over, was Rosemary's mother, belonged to Rosemary's mother. And she was on her way down to see her mom that night at that point, but something stopped her from going and she stopped and did something else instead. And so Rosemary, because of the prayer, I believe, was protected from being killed that night. Wow. Yeah. So that's the power of prayer. We don't know where our prayers are going or what can happen. Sure. And I'm crying as I read this story. And it's because, just like Mary cries for us children, God cries too. And today, as I was praying, Lord, what song do you want me to go out with? I had to laugh at first when when it came to my mind and what he wanted me to have played. But listen to the words of this song and take us out with Roy Orbison's Crying. I don't sound like it. Oh, yes, it is. Go ahead. I could smile for a while. Then I saw you last night. You held my hand so tight when you stopped to say hello. You wished me.
much he loves us. Until next week, this is Elizabeth with tears in my eyes because I'm crying out of love for all of mankind who's turned their back on God, those who are suffering, and those who are having to deal with death and dying and all the struggles of their lives. There is an awesome God that loves you and he wants to help you, but you have got to reach out and ask for help. Thank you, guys. Bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.